You know, on Mother's Day, you may or may not remember, we, uh, we focused on the journey of Mary in her life. And so today we're going to focus on Joseph's journey and his relationship with Jesus. You know, it's one of the interesting things uh, before we get into the scripture is only Matthew gives us really significant information about Joseph. In Mark, there's no mention of Joseph. In John, there's only two mentions. He's the father of Jesus. Luke, uh, who was, you know, uh, did a lot of great research. He's mentioned as Mary's husband at Jesus' circumcision. And then uh, the incident at the temple, which we'll look at in a little bit. Only Matthew gives us a picture of what kind of man and what kind of father our brother uh, Joseph was. So before we dive into the scripture, let us pray. Lord God, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for inspiring our brother Matthew and other writers to bring your truth for us. And Holy Spirit, we acknowledge you're the true preacher here. You're the true teacher. We want to hear your voice this morning. Speak to our hearts, minds, and spirits with your truth. In Jesus' name, amen. The first place we're going to begin is in Matthew 1, verse 18. And here is what Matthew tells us. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph. Son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message to his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means... God is with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. But he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born. And Joseph named him Jesus. Joseph the righteous. Now we need to understand in this context the word righteous is not used in terms of eternal salvation, which only happens when we welcome Jesus into our lives, when we receive his forgiveness through his death on the cross, his blood shed for us. But rather, this righteousness, this righteous Joseph, is in terms of daily living. Joseph's daily life aligned with what he knew of God. Now, where did this come from for Joseph? Well, we know 
almost certainly, Joseph was a faithful Jew who from the time uh, he was old enough to go to synagogue, he was there every Sabbath. We know, we know the family went to Jerusalem for the various feasts like Passover on a regular basis. So Joseph was one who heard the word of God regularly. And as far as we can tell, he let that word of God infuse him. But part of that word of God, Joseph decided not to enact in this situation. Because here's what it says in Deuteronomy 22. Beginning, excuse me, 23. Deuteronomy 22, verse 23. Suppose a man meets a young woman, a virgin who is engaged to be married, and he has sexual intercourse with her. If this happens within a town, you must take both of them to the gates of that town and stone them to death. The woman is guilty because she did not scream for help. The man must die because he violated another man's wife. In this way, you will purge this evil from you. We need to understand that this was a live option for Joseph in this situation. Because Mary had turned up pregnant, and they were betrothed, but had not consummated their marriage, had not been fully married yet. Thankfully, this option was not carried out very often at this point in time in Israel, but it was an option. But it clearly was one that Joseph apparently never even considered, as far as we can tell. And why was that? Well, at some point in his life, Joseph was listening in the synagogue in Exodus 33 and 34. And God is having Moses lead these very recalcitrant, difficult people, the Israelites, the Hebrews. And Moses is fed up. Moses is, is just sick and tired of this. And he doesn't know how he can go on. And basically, he says to the Lord, look, if you want me to do this job, Lord, you need to be a full partner with me in this. I need to know who you are. I need to know more about you. I need, I need this to be a full partnership. And I need to understand you. So he says, I need to see your glory, Lord. I need to see your glory. In other words, I need to see who you really are. And the Lord says, okay, I'm going to tell you who I really am. And in Exodus 34, verse 5, Moses tells us, The Lord came down in a cloud and stood there with him, and he called out his own name, Yahweh. The Lord passed in front of Moses, calling out, Yahweh, the Lord, the God of compassion and mercy. I am slow to anger and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. I lavish unfailing love to a thousand generations. I forgive iniquity, rebellion, and sin. As far as we can tell, this is, this is who Joseph chose. This is the God Joseph chose 
to emulate in this very, very difficult, challenging situation. He decided to show mercy, and that's how his righteousness was revealed and shown. But perhaps also, he thought of another leader, another Israelite, named Hosea. Perhaps he recalled the terrible, challenging situation that God presented to Hosea. Here's what we read at the beginning of the prophet Hosea. When the Lord first began speaking to Israel through Hosea, he said to him, Go and marry a prostitute so that some of her children will be conceived in prostitution. This will illustrate how Israel has acted like a prostitute by turning against the Lord and worshiping other gods. Hosea was called to be faithful to an unfaithful woman as a living example of God's faithfulness to his unfaithful people. Hosea faced humiliation and scorn from the people around him who, who did not have the eyes to see or the ears to hear that Hosea was a main character in the drama, revealing how patient, how long-suffering, how faithful God was being to his unfaithful people. And Joseph chose to follow in Hosea's footsteps, accepting a lifetime of scorn and humiliation from others who did not see, did not recognize the astonishing drama that was unfolding before them. These two ordinary people, Mary and Joseph, living in a town of 200 to 400 people, and for all their lives, known one as almost certainly an adulteress, the other who married her and who was cheated on. These two ordinary people, sacrificing their reputation, their image in the community, for the sake of God's eternal plan for the human race. And beyond that, both Hosea and Joseph, raising children that were not even their own. Hosea, whose children belonged to some other guy somewhere. But, Jesus, but Joseph, raising God's own son, who had been born to save the world. You know, one lesson from this, Remember, these were ordinary, Hosea, Mary, Joseph, they're ordinary people like you and me. Please, don't ever think that you who are in Christ Jesus, that the life you live in Christ Jesus can't have an impact in some way that you may never know on the entire human race. You know, Joseph, 
did not make that decision when the dream came. You know, he had a choice. He had a choice all along the way. And the dream said, go ahead and marry Mary. But you know, he didn't make that decision right then. Actually, he had made that decision long before. He made that decision long before. How did he do that? When he had decided to live a righteous life, a life that aligned with whom he knew God to be, a daily life of being generous and kind to those in his community and welcoming newcomers, a daily life of being an honest workman, trustworthy in all his business dealings and fair to any employees he may have had, a daily life that reflected the daily life of his God. He had made the decision to obey the dream long before he just didn't know it. Reminds me of the story of James Calvert. James Calvert was a missionary to the cannibals of the Fiji Islands way back in the early 1800s. When he and his fellow missionaries landed on the island, the captain of the ship that brought them tried to get them to turn back. You will die. The men with you will die if you stay here. And after a moment, Calvert replied simply, We died before we came here. The next scene we see with Joseph is Joseph the protector. Now we all know what happened. The Magi came to worship Jesus. They'd seen his star. Herod hears about it. Herod, by the way, who is murderous and vicious, psychopath, kills anybody he thinks might be plotting against him or getting his way. And he hears that the king of the Jews has been born. And his vicious radar turns on and he tells the Magi, you know, go come back when you find the, the, the child so I can go worship him. And we know that wasn't his plan at all. Well, the Magi, in a dream, are told, don't go back. Don't go to Herod. And here's what we read in chapter uh, 2, verse 13. After the wise men were gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up. Flee to Egypt with the child and his mother. The angel said, Stay there until I tell you to return, because Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So that night, Joseph left for Egypt with the child and Mary, his mother, and they stayed there until Herod's death. This fulfilled what the Lord had spoken through the prophet, I called my son out of Egypt. I'm pretty sure this isn't what Joseph thought he was signing up for. 
Well, Herod dies, and in verse 19 of chapter 2, we read, When Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt. Get up, the angel said. Take the child and his mother back to the land of Israel, because those who were trying to kill the child are dead. So Joseph got up and returned to the land of Israel with Jesus and his mother. But when he learned that the new ruler of Judea was Herod's son Archelaus, he was afraid to go there. Then, after being warned in a dream, he left for the region of Galilee. So the family went and lived in a town called Nazareth. This fulfilled what the prophets had said. He will be called a Nazarene. I saw a movie once, and in one scene, his father is at a supper table with his three boy, three young boys. And he's saying to them, boys, there are three kinds of people in this world. There are people who are prey. There are people who are predators. And there are people who are protectors. And he says to them, looking each in the eye, I better never learn that any of you becomes a predator. Rather, I'll be proud of you when you're a protector. A protector. Well, here's the question. Why isn't God protecting his own son? Why, why isn't God protecting his own son, the most powerful person in the country, in the region, wants the baby Jesus dead? Why doesn't God do something? Well, he does do something. He relies on a faithful human to protect his son. You know, in the, in the beginning, God gave the care of this planet and its people to human beings. Then the first humans abdicated their responsibility and gave it to the evil one. But God said, no, humans are going to continue to be integral leaders in my plans. And so we see people like Abraham Moses, David, and many others, all being protectors, opposing those who chose to be predators. And Joseph knew that history well. Herod chose to be a vicious predator. And humble Joseph chose to be God's protector of Jesus. For us, the only question is whom we will choose to be. The last place we see Joseph is in Luke chapter 2, beginning with verse 41. And I have to wonder, I have to wonder if perhaps... We should call this Joseph. We've got Joseph the righteous, Joseph the protector. And I wonder if we should call this Joseph job done. 
This is the last we hear of Joseph, and here's what Luke tells us. Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. When Jesus was 12 years old, they attended the festival as usual. After the celebration was over, they started home to Nazareth, but Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents didn't miss him at first because they assumed he was among the other travelers. But when he didn't show up that evening, they started looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they couldn't find him, they went back to Jerusalem to search for him there. Three days later, they finally discovered him in the temple, sitting among the religious teachers, listening to them and asking questions. All who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. His parents didn't know what to think. Son, his mother said to him, Why have you done this to us? Your father and I have been frantic searching for you everywhere. I sort of wonder if the reason that Mary was speaking to him is that Joseph just wanted to give him a massive dope slap. Jesus responds, but why did you need to search, he asked. Didn't you know that I must be in my father's house? But they didn't understand what he meant. Then he returned to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. And his mother stored all these things in her heart. Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and all the people. One commentator has suggested that in this trip, Jesus went to Jerusalem as a boy and he left the temple as a man. Can we say that perhaps a big part of Jesus getting there was watching Joseph day by day live a righteous life before God? Was there a bitter sweetness for Joseph that the son he had raised was now a man who had his own relationship with the living God and no longer needed Joseph? A son who had his own path of obedience, suffering, and sacrifice laid before him. The sacrifice of, life, of his life for the salvation of the world. Let us follow Joseph. Let us follow Joseph in faithful righteousness and being protectors of the vulnerable. Let us pray. Lord God, we thank you again for the examples of godly people in difficult, sometimes terrifying situations where they trusted you and you used them in powerful ways. Lord God, show us how you want to use each of us and give us your courage to follow you faithfully. In Jesus' name, amen. Friends, across the world, Christians are affirming their faith this morning. Let us affirm our faith. Christian, what do you believe? Please stand.